or Nails That Glow, and you are watching First Drafts That Glow, a flash fiction short story writing project that, you know, I write the stories in one sitting, I cold read them, and it's all by me. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I really, you know, I, I should probably, you know, I say this every episode, but I probably should script this part out because, uh, I just, it, it's a little different each time. But anyways, uh, today's episode is more of a noir story, but it's not specifically noir because, I mean, true noir uh, storytelling is a little dated. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's still very cool, you know, with, uh, with the hard-boiled detective, the kind of uh, twisty and turny you know, like who, who's doing what and who can you trust and here's looking at you, kid, and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't fucking know. Anyways, tonight's episode is called Budget Syrup. Now, uh, as you know, I choose uh, my titles based on five random words. I tend to go to a random word generator. I think this one I got from my profile on Mastodon. And, um, you know, I didn't take notes on who gave me some of these words but syrup was one of them and uh, budget was another and uh, they requested that I do a noir so I was like okay so budget syrup sounded pretty cool and then I just started writing so what I have here is what came out of my head now while I like this story from what I remember um, it does get a bit wonky because I, I wasn't really sure how to resolve everything. And that happens sometimes with this kind of storytelling. You just kind of dive into it and you have this end goal of, you know, you, you want to finish it then. Because if, if, I, if I split it up into multiple days or something, then it's more than this first draft project where, you know, I just slam out I don't know why I just made that loud sound but I just you know knock out uh, you know all of that uh, uh, storytelling and then uh, read it to you you know if you know I, I, I will be um, writing more long-form stuff eventually but uh, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out like you know the time <laughs> yeah anyways I guess we'll get into it um let's see what else um oh yeah I only have one more story and then I'm likely going to take a week or two break um just to write some more stories and to just kind of gather uh myself a little bit you know I figure six episodes at a time is pretty good I'm definitely planning on doing more than 14 episodes for this season, so don't fret. I'm going to try my absolute darndest to uh, keep keep this going throughout the year. I'll probably do six episodes at a time, maybe a week or two off, depending on how things go. And, um, yeah, you know. Uh, also, uh, follow me on, uh, there's a Mastodon social profile I have. It's, uh, Eldritch Cafe, Nails That Glow. Um, I also left Mastodon Social. Now I'm on Mastodon World, Nails That Glow. I also have a website, nailsthatglow.com. And, uh, this, uh, uh, video is hosted on YouTube at First Drafts at Glow. And that's also my email at gmail.com, First Drafts at Glow at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Okay, we'll start now. Um, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, where are my readers? Okay, should, should I wear the black framed ones? Which ones have the cleanest lenses right now? Oh, these do. <laughs> okay, anyways, here we go. Ah. absolutely no idea why I still do that uh, somebody pointed it out to me that I did that once and I think I'm just going to continue doing it I don't really care I know I know you're probably like why, why do you why do you do that it amuses me honestly I guess that's why I do it all right 
All right, now I'm gonna just kind of sit cross-legged in the chair here, and I'm about to read to you. All right, I hope you enjoy it. I know I've said that before, but I'm just gonna keep saying the same things over and over until I start reading. <sighs> you read? Here we go. Budget Syrup, a first draft cyclose story by me, Avon. One of the first things I learned when I started working for anyone with enough money to hire me is how full of shit people with money often are. My first two hires were men that decided they had spent enough on their own wives and wanted me to find out who they spent any time with of the masculine persuasion. The first wife was so loyal, all I could offer my client were some pictures of her getting a massage nude while sitting in one of those chairs with the warm water and mechanical hands inside. The second guy got something more, and his wife was getting her kicks by having group sex at a lifestyle club. Whatever knocks your socks off, I suppose. I could not understand how she fit the tentacle dildo inside her body, though. Since then... I just collect my fee and keep a distance from all sides. I'm not doing anything immoral. If you can't be trusted to be honest about your life to someone that trusts you, well then, I'm probably taking snaps of you and recording your conversations, assuming I got paid. See, that is how I keep it from getting messy. Payment is always arranged over the table. I have an assistant that knows a thing or two more than me when it comes to the wide world of money and contracts. The client talks to both of us, and we both make the decision. If it seems like I might have to do something illegal or something that doesn't feel quite right, we pass. All of the paperwork is more watertight than a frog's ass. If you have a problem with me, it's because you got caught. Don't you dare come come at me with <laughs> Don't you dare come at me with snitches get stitches. Only a bully trying to get away with something says that. Only a person with a sense of entitlement feels they alone should be able to get away with deception. My ex felt the same way. It is why I sent his ass back to mom's house to his mom's house when I found he was sleeping with someone else. Honestly, had he asked me if I if he could sleep with uh, fair, far, fair, fair, fair? Yeah, I'm trying to use neo-pronouns in my story, and it's awkward sometimes. Had he asked me if he could sleep with fair, I would have likely had said yes. Faye was attractive and had given me the winky eyes a few times when I would get coffee at the place Faye worked. But no, he was a dumbass, and I had to stop going to my favorite coffee shop. I know Faye was embarrassed of Faye's self, and I would not have made in, and would not have made me feel awkward. Uh, yeah, okay. I just know I would have given the stink eye without knowing it. I have a sense of self-worth and a work ethic rare in this in this century. Far too many people decay inside their heads with not having anything to do. Decades before I was born, my grandparents had recorded short vlogs talking about how hard it was to make ends meet and live without stress. I think I would have liked it back then. Sure, they talked about having to make significant sacrifices of comfort and sometimes skip doctor's visits due to cost. That would not be the most fun. What that time did was keep people busy enough to not become depraved fucks. I have read about some of those cis white men shooting up schools and blaming everyone else. Yeah, every period in history has stupid and hateful morons. These days it feels like every other person is just a worthless bloodbag. See, I'm one of the 20% that work. I'm part of a small, smaller percentile that went to school and a minuscule number that got through a university degree in criminology. I admit, I only half applied myself and sailed through with a low average, but I still made it through. Most people have the required schooling from the bots until they are 11, and they decide on a gender if they want to continue school. If they, 
decide on a gender, if they want to continue school, if they want, want to pass towards government training, or if they wish to join the leisure class and mentally check out and live in a modest home and all basic needs provided for. It would be pathetic if they did nothing. So, many of them are singers, actors, writers, philosophers, and any number of expressive and creative pursuits. The ones that just take the daily allowance and get blitzed are pretty sad and often die before they are 30 from suicide. Mutual homicide with a group or the body simply gives up from all the drug use and abuse. All in all, it's not a terrible world. I just think it could be better. I'm working to get enough credit to ship out to the asteroid belt, to the asteroid belt platforms, and maybe join one of those long-range ships pointed to stars with planets we can inhabit. Cold storage for a few centuries to live in a place where everyone needs to work and get our hands dirty? Sounds like a dream. Even if my assistant says people with boobs tend to be lesser in, the, in those environments. I snicker at that. I've yet to meet a mask that can take me down. Now, I suppose that I should talk about this new case and how it is a clusterfuck. It started when these twins came in, both of them looking nearly identical, except for the body and face shapes with different fat and muscle arrangements, showing one to be more masculine than the sibling. They were both agender and had ocular implants that allowed them to see through the, through the other's right eye. They were also very colorful. It was so bright that I could hear the yellow and orange screaming into my ears just under the sing-song voices they had. We wish to secure your services to confirm if a purchase we have pending is everything the seller claims. One of them would speak as the other would mouth the words. We have everything pending on the inspection of a third party, and we have agreed your firm would be best. The feminine one reaches into their pocket, pulling out a chip. This chip has the confirmation of the other party and authorization of for half of whatever your fee is. My assistant in a slick and fitted suit, leans forward. Why is the other party not here with you? It's common to have all parties involved with this primary interview. The masculine twin looks to the sibling before looking at us. They are a virtual lifer. Now, virtual lifer is rare these days. These people decide that interacting with the world through augmented and virtual reality is the only way. They have a few cyber installs to prevent atrophy and nutrient-packed food processing. The thing I never got used to is looking at one without the headgear. The anchor points in the temples and the jaw with the sunken skeletal face was very unnerving. Many of them were soft many of them were software and knew how to fix things, were into software and knew how to fix things. If there was another bot or printer around to produce what they designed. I, I think I'm saying that's how they work. Not unheard of for a virtual lifer to just send a chip as confirmation, but they often send a drone with a projector to have a presence at meetings. My assistant, my assistant was on the money as, per, as previously said. We still need to contact them in order to get confirmation. The twins started to move around like cats, being held too tight. They moved their lips in silence. I assumed some sub-vocal microphone. They stopped and got that distant look you get when making a call. Moments later, they both nodded and asked who gets the contact info. My assistant held up a pad to catch the data. Per never allowed people to send data at Purself. We had an issue with that once or twice. Excusing Purself, my assistant went into the next room. I waited for a moment before looking the twins over again. I switched on my spectrograph and sent my data buddy out to crawl for information on these two. The basic scan showed nothing outside of both of them having a light caffeine habit and were both filled with more flex steel than most people. The masculine one looked at me as my scan did a second pass. You should ask before a scan. It is only polite. 
Still scanning, I said, you must not have read all the terms as you entered. It was a short list of things to expect. Even the first one is, you will get scanned. Both of them say, nobody reads those. Whatever you say, let me have the system show it, show it to you again. I will tell it to not allow you to acknowledge until you have time to read it. It was a 10-second read. Most people just copied it and put it in a quick reference folder while here. These two squirmed and flailed around. They seem actively uncomfortable to have to do something like read. I suppose I could have made a small vid of myself or my assistant going over the terms as they enter. Eh, fuck that. You can have your data bud read you can have your data bud read it for you. The two seemed to agonize for more than two minutes reading the short list. I was about to offer to read it out loud to them. How they moved started to make me feel uneasy. My assistant came in quickly, nodding the okay to me. Okay, you two, I said. We're all set with the money. Do you have a data pack to give us now, or will you be sending it later? The twins stand reaching into their right pockets. They both pull out chips. The feminine one says, My chip is the code key to my twins' chip. My assistant takes the chips before vanishing again. We hope to hear from you in a few days. They both inquire at the same time. As soon as I look at the details, I will update all of you with a time frame. I say, walking to the wall panel with a drink and food menu. You can see your way out. Have a good day. I turn away from then, punching in cheesecake and black tea. An hour later, and I was still confused. The data we were given was locked up with an encryption that would have taken a planet worth of computers decades to even identify the code structure. All we had was information on a slice of preserved land that had been producing maple syrup and, a small, and small game meat well before computers and even before radio use. Places like this were valuable, very valuable, but none of them were hidden or secret. Neither of us could find anything in the data that suggested a hidden military base or chemical accident or even a burial ground. Outside of several, several square kilometers of trees and collection of shacks, it was one of the oldest and largest outdoor spaces of its kind. The owner of this land could leverage it to buy an entire ship to travel the soul system with a full crew complement for the rest of their life. In per defense, my assistant did notice that there was once a mineral with an rare earth mine that had been filled over, um, filled over the centuries and had been abandoned from running dry. Nothing that unique. The asteroid belt was a better miner destination. Permits to mine on earth could take decades to approve, we discovered. We cannot understand what the security was for. The land was in a part of North America, the, the North Amer, did I say Amer or American? I don't know. It's probably Amer because it's the future, whatever. The land was in the part of the North Amer continent in an area with heavy snow, with heavy snow most of the year. Air cars were permitted, were permitted in that airspace. There were two cabins with landing pads, one on the southern edge and another slightly off-center. Sixteen square kilometers, my assistant says, that is rather large for any farm or any outdoor space to be owned privately. Faye says it clock, Per says it clocks in at 3,900 acres. Wrapping my head around that size of space was not easy. It was much larger than most cities and would take time to walk and check all of it. Even with a drone helping me out, those things are so stupid they might get confused and run out of power before getting back. I decided it would take a week to go over the checklist and confirm all the details and gather samples to send to a lab to confirm everything else. A boring and mundane use of my services. Not many third-party services were trusted so much. You take what you get. I still had my data buddy searching for information on the twins, and the Virtue Lifer information was slowly filling up a new folder my assistant set up on, on my HUD. Before leaving the next day, I had to wait for confirmation that both parties agreed to my timetable, and also agreed to rent me a nicer air car with a larger power cell since it was in the coldest part of the season, and the car would have to provide the cabin I stay in with power. 
My assistant was fussing over... Hold on. I'm just noticing something. I'm probably going to edit this part. Okay, sorry about that. I just had a technical glitch. I had to reset that. So I don't normally stop or edit or anything like that, but you probably saw like a little screen. Anyways, I'll just get back to the fucking story. <laughs> okay. Where was I? My assistant was fussing over delivery bots, filling the car with food and sample and sample collection equipment. Excuse me. Per never liked how machines figured out how to set things down in a small space that was not a cube or a flat surface. I always thought it was fine. Per needed things to be the way Per saw it. When I got the green light, I bounced the car into the air, thanking my assistant for all Per did. I set the car destination and set and set to load data sets of shows and games while still over the city. I took one of the spider bots from the office with me. I called it Salt. It had been with me since I started. And I know it's stupid. I felt like it knew me, like a pet cat or a dog would. Not just AI pattern shit either. I would often... It would... It would often sit in my lap and go into suspend mode or follow me around the office until I would pick it up and talk with it. Of course, it never said anything. These things just do tasks and deliver chips and the like. I just felt it did talk to me in some way. None of the other spiders or drones did. Salt made me some tea and got out some biscuits. It then turned on the projector and selected an old comedy show. It was this goofy show called Red Dwarf, a lonely guy in space with, a selfish, and, with selfish and inept characters. My great-grand would play the hollow converted versions for me as a kid. When I got older and discovered the 2D version from the first century of telly, I fell in love. Felt so quaint to have a panel of images move like these did. Spider liked the hollow updates and would change it sometimes just to annoy me. We were halfway over the Atlantic when the alarm woke me up. Nobody really knows how to fly a car. Well, I've never met anyone that can. We have had a... We've had... We... <laughs> Goodness. <clears throat> we have had bots do that for so long. Only military and people that really want to learn and get approval can manually fly a car. So... When I looked over the displays projected inside the car showing me all around and it saw another car maneuvering like an adventure like adventure movie cars, I admit, I panicked. It started shooting a slime at each camera as it flew around. It tagged three of the nine before I got my wits, calling the office calling the office and dropping a quick message before calling my assistant. I instructed Salt to secure everything in the car and secure itself in one of the cases. What's wrong, Per said. You shouldn't be there until... Oh, Elder, God's preserve me. I just read your office note. Yeah, get the military air service notified quick-like. This car is pelting my cameras with some kind of slime, knocking them out. The wake they are creating is throwing the stabilizers off as well. I watch salt crawl into my personal bag as its lights go dark. I remember thinking how happy it made me it was safe. I sent a report to the international police. I, I sent a report to the international police. They said they see you on camera and will drop from orbit shortly. I nodded and sent my thanks before signing off to finish securing myself into the main chair and grabbing my bag, setting it in a space behind my back. Two of the cameras were still showing me what was going on. I moved the images to project in front of me in place, in place of the spaces they were looking, the rear and front right. It was making a run at the rear camera and suddenly I saw a glowing blue net drop on the car and it dropped out of sight. It was followed by an international patrol car aimed like an arrow zipping past the camera. The communication systems blinked on and an image of helmet and shoulders appeared. The faceplate lifted showing a mask with skin metal and no hair. We have this under control. Confirm your car can continue. A few of the cameras are blocked, I said. I'll send two bots to clean that up. They will be 
They will be on your car, he paused as I saw his eyes follow something. Now. Soft dings rang in the car as the screen started filling up, filling up with the, <laughs> as the screens became clear, I guess. I don't know. I, you know, sometimes you're writing and your fingers type something other than what you're trying to write. I'm not sure why. Do you require any medical care or trauma counseling, the officer says. No, thank you. I just need to sleep and eat something, I said with more uncertainty than I thought, because I saw the officer about to question me before his display shook. What in the actual fuck? He said as his image shifted again. Override speed limits. Gonzo Alpha 1, 4. Execute. As he said that, I saw the patrol car hit with a ball of glowing orange goo. I saw all of its lights go out and the car that was chasing me right under it heading up. I thought they were going to hit each other as my car beeped. My restraints tightened and the cabin filled with a sweet smell and I blacked out. I'd always thought it was a joke when the spacers talked about passing out from G-Force. My heads-up display was fashing warnings about blood flow. My fingers and feet felt heavy and my head hurt in ways I could not explain unless I hit you with a brick. Salt was out of the bag making me something to sip on and directed me to the car readout panel. It showed me that I needed to remain in the car for another half hour. The air mixture was altered to relax my body before the rapid increase of speed. It showed an authorized speed unlock and I would be contacted by an official within a day or two. This was new to me. Cars were never exceptionally fast in the scheme of things. 880 kilometers per hour. In open spaces like the ocean or day orbit heights, city speeds were slow and safe. I had seen a show from the day station Cobain where, when I was younger. Three military crafts dropping from space orbit then over the ocean surface faster than I had seen anything move. The telescopic cameras just keeping up, allowing us to track them and how they moved. It's a little dot zipping across the displayed map. I have no idea. I have no idea. Regular. I had no idea regular cars could do anything like that. I ate and listened to some music as Salt and I checked the gear and the car's status reports, checking any system it advised. <laughs> it was not possible to communicate with anyone. The car reported unspecified damage to the cellular relay, and and body. Body cell device. Oh, and body cell devices were weak. So interior, yeah. <laughs> when I checked behind the panel, the cell system was where the cell system was housed. It was black, and the smell of ozone set off the air alarm, dropping a mask for me to wear. There must have been a significant flare of heat in there. It even seemed to have melt. It even seemed to have melted the flex steel holding it all in place. I got salt to inspect deeper. Its camera showed me a path of heat that seemed to, that seemed too specific. I logged all the data, then checked how much more time I had before getting to the cabin. We were nearly there, and I had just enough time to review the files. I had just enough time to review the files I had collected. It was frustrating. Most of the data was the kind of stuff you get when you meet someone in the virtual on their profile. There was no information about either party's parents, no information about the place of birth, age, or anything that would suggest that any of them actually had any money. The list of people with any kind of wealth was so small, it was also impossible to not find something. When we did land, the cabin systems communicated immediately. Hello, and welcome to the last maple farm of Old Canada. This cabin had been refurbished with minimal modern materials and technology. Please be advised that any high heat generating cooking devices are not permitted inside as the building is made out of real wood. There is also a weight limit of 250 for any person, bought furniture, or any item unknown to this home. Again, made of wood and we want to keep it as original as we can. Do you have any questions before I send my staff bots to assist you? The thing didn't even chime my systems. It just started talking. I didn't like that. No house. I am a cabin. Sorry. Cabin. 
My personal bot and I conform to all of your requirements and I have no cooking devices. Everything is package cooked. Inside the cabin was like going to a museum. The smell of the wood and cotton with a hint of some chemicals I could not place was just short of overwhelming. The picture on the walls all varied the pictures on the walls all varied between paintings of animals and landscapes to uh, hold on and landscapes uh, <laughs> okay, I see what I did there. Um, the pictures on the walls all switch between paintings of animals and landscapes uh, that changed every minute. One of the bots took my luggage and up a set of stairs and that had a handrail and looked like a long, thin branch. You know, this is, this is cold reading at its best, people. <laughs> the doors had metal handles. One of the bots showed me how to use it. I thought I just pulled, but the bot twisted it. That's so weird. I tried to find a communication base station. The cabin was not very helpful. It said it had no need for such a system and could only connect to the world net once a day when a satellite passed overhead. Saul reported a signal coming from the central cabin. This one had this one had no idea about that one. Said it went offline years ago. The damn thing wouldn't even tell me what time the communication window was. I was very frustrated. I told the cabin's bots to go into storage. Salt and I played chess and watched a hollow that made me laugh. The next day, the cabin still refused to tell me when the communication window was. I recorded a message and told Salt to stay next to the cabin's central interface and send the message as soon as the window opened. I needed to collect samples and verify there were trees and land here. Uh, my, my built trees and land here conforming to the contract like yeah that was a bad sentence I just wrote so like he, <laughs> ugh. my built-in scanner and the sample kit combined if there were any if there was any deception as to the size and realness of the land and these trees I would find it I'd seen projections and webbing that made entire buildings appear in perfect repair or larger than they were actually were. The eyes and basic scans would never know. Out in the world, covering an area with, per, with a projection to show it, as, show it as fertile and farmable land was the most common scam. So much land was irradiated by falling ships and falling missile storage, storage, <clears throat> falling missile storage so long ago, failing missile storage. <laughs> To have this large of a landmass exchanging hands, simply amazing. The first day out was done. I threw up a drone to grab samples from trees and soil. I scanned and walked a few dozen acres. The scanning and collecting was very tedious. When I got back to the cabin, salt was agitated. It sent a, f it, it sent a failed to deliver message to my hut. This fucking cabin was about to get broken. The one skill I wish I had then and now is bot programming. Knowing how to disable and bypass systems controlled by a building mine would have been very useful. I spent over three hours arguing with the cabin about Salt not being able to send a message. The thing insisted that only people were authorized to use the communication system, and if I wanted to send a message, I would have to be in the cabin at the appropriate time. Thankfully, Salt recorded the time. After eating breakfast, I searched the cabin for an override or a manual panel. Salt even reported that it could not find one. Right at 2 p.m., the satellite was to be connecting to the cabin. When the light flicked on, I tried to access the system directly. I kept getting errors. I tried to type in a message, more errors. Cabin, why am I getting errors? There seems to be an issue with the connection. I am sorry. Please try again tomorrow. Like hell. I packed up some gear and loaded the map into salt systems. I decided to check the other cabin. If this one was going to be a glitchy mess, the other one had better the other one had to be better. It just had to be. The cabin tried to convince me not to leave. 
At first, by warning there were wolves and bears and other dangerous animals, I reminded the cabin that most large mammals were long gone, and at most there would be rabbits and rats, and even then, it was the dead of winter, so there wouldn't be many. The cabin tried again, saying that I might catch a disease or a virus. I ignored it and went out. There was no point in telling it of telling it of vaccines or modern medicine. The night, the night set in before I got to the other cabin. The stars were bright enough to not need salt to light the way. I just, it just pointed in the direction I needed to go. I figured we were about there when I tripped over something in the snow. I fell face first and I fell face first and felt my knee had, felt my knee had something happen to it. When I got up, I saw I tripped on a log that was solid white. I was about to just dismiss it when salt chirped and lit the object up. There were lights under a layer of ice, red and green and very faint. I pulled out two drones directing them to, the, to light the area, digging out a human body. Hands tied behind the back, I almost hand, with hands tied behind their back, I almost, it almost looked like they were covered in water as it froze over them. I couldn't make out their features. Cracking the ice as delicately as, delicately as I could, I, f I flaked off a few layers as I continued to scan. Soon it was obvious. It was a masked person with, a virtu with virtual life implants, and it was very recent. The lights in the implants were still blinking. This was a power level warning. The average virtual lifer, virtue lifer battery system needed to be charged daily. No big deal for most of them because they would always, they would always connect when they woke up if they, did, if they didn't sleep in the rig. The longest battery system was three days. This was just now showing an almost total loss of power. This poor guy probably had his brain going for hours after the rest of him died. It would have been torture. The way the body was frozen to the ground and the time it must have taken to cover them in water for it to freeze, it didn't make sense. To kill somebody in such a convoluted way, it was simply insane. Salt warned me that the temperature was going to fall rapidly very soon. I tried to lift the body, but it was frozen to the ground, and the weight of the ice was just too much. I told the drones to keep light around me. I didn't want to trip again. The second cabin was much more modern. As I approached it, a drone flew down from the front door on the porch, floating down the stairs that scanned the drones, salt, and finally myself. It flashed green and refit itself into the door. Inside was more of what I was used to. The walls were various textures of flex steel. There was a nice mix of smart furniture and a kitchen bot. The stairs leading to the bedrooms had platforms that ra raised up and down. I sent Salt to find the virtual, virtual life pod station. I recalled the drones to the house. <laughs> I recalled the drones to the house. Hi, kitchen. Greeting the kitchen bot hanging from the ceiling. Greetings. What is your name? Uh, call me Mod. Greetings, Mod. What can I make for you? Got any meat? I have an assortment of cloned meats and plant-based meats, all of it irradiated and ready to prepare and season to your specifications. Amazing. I want a Philly cheesesteak and a caramel carbonated sweet beverage. Right away, Mod. Thanks. Um, can you tell me where the cabin's communication station is at? Yes, it is down this hall, the room on the right. If you rather sit here, I can call the table over. Um, yeah, please do that. Moments later, a glass-topped table wheels down the hall, stopping next to the kitchen island. It beeps and projects a hollow control system. The system was very unfamiliar to me. Virtual lifers never updated interfaces that were like this, just like the virtual ones. This interface had to be 20 years old or more. I couldn't find the land setting, and I was getting anxious. Finding a dead body was nothing new for me. I felt hungry and irritated. My great-uncle Janet said it was called hangry. I got this way when a case got stupid and I forgot to eat. Eventually, after cursing and yelling at the table, the kitchen bot set a lovely sandwich and a tall, cool glass next to me on the island. 
After a few bites and sips, I returned to finally figure out how to connect to my office. Yeah? Oh, hi. I was just lost in a data feed. You went dark a day or two ago. Is everything okay? Per said. No, I said before stuffing my face again. Through a half-full mouth, I managed to say, sending you a data chip. I recorded on my personal system along with data sets from Salt and the drones. I continued to eat like I was a feral dog. Could you mute yourself? The ASMR is not my thing. It took me a moment to understand I was eating loudly. Purr always delicate. Purr was always delicate like that. As I finished eating, Salt returns to me uploading images of a bloody virtue pod. I sent those to the office. Holy fuck, Purr said. What the hell? I know. The car that attacked me was being flown manually, and I think it took out a military car. Then the first cabin I, sto I stopped at tried to keep me from making any calls or all of the lights go out of my HUD. Sudden goes out and suddenly my HUD <laughs> all of the lights go out and my HUD suddenly flickers as it changed over to the secondary battery. I knew this only happened when a large magnetic charge was released. Because I travel, I had a shield shield put on my processor and a secondary battery for when I go through zones with high EM. Even Salt had a shield on its systems. The interior was faintly lit by glowing elements inlaid through the walls and floor. Some of the old-style LED emergency lights created spotlights on the entryways and stairs. I direct salt, directed Salt to get my vibro dagger and then go check the communication room to see if it has emergency power. Digging in my bag quickly, tossing my dagger to me, Salt silently runs down the hall, vanishing into the communication room. A thud on the landing pad of a thud on the landing pad on the roof surprised me. For a thud to get through these walls, that had to be a car that had to be a car hard landing or something wearing an exosuit. Neither were things I was interested in. If it was a hard drop, that was a manual flyer. If it was somebody in an exosuit, my dagger would cut into the flex steel, but not nearly deep enough to matter. Salt report, reported the communication room is dead. I decided to go up to the virtue room to see if it had power. I call Salt back. I call Salt back to sit on my shoulder, connecting it to uh, camera my HUD, looking. <laughs> okay. Connecting it to my camera. Uh, connecting it to my HUD camera, looking behind and above. I lightly get up the narrow steps as a series of clangs and thuds tell me an exosuit was on its way. A military or syndicate agent. Neither would be excellent for me. Military only wear exosuits when they know they're going into combat, and syndicate do it for shock and awe. The virtue pod had pulled blood in the seat. The panels outside of it splattered with something dark, dark that, was, that was not blood, possibly in an oil lubricant for a bot. Few of the panels were showing normal operation. The headset was on the floor, covered in oil and blood. The thuds and clangs got louder. I quickly mount the set on my head, clotted and stale blood dripping in my mouth, mixed with oil. I wanted to vomit. I connected my system with the Virtue system and made sure to transfer my HUD display so I could keep seeing what salt was. Once then, I tried to call my office again. Nothing doing. There was a daemon or an AI blocking outgoing now. Everything red is dark, even with a positive connection. I dropped an auto-send package to the internal and local authorities in case the system opened up. Taking off the set was worse than putting it on. My nose and eyes and ears collected what had been all of the fluids, <laughs> collected what had to have been all of the fluids in the headset. I didn't have time to get to, get to a sink. That just wouldn't work. I wiped it all off best I could and tried to think of what to do next. Salt directed me to, the, to a closet that had two bots that looked a bit human, both covered in silicon skin. Knowing what they were used for, I care, carefully lifted one of them, placing it in the virtue pod, setting, setting, the, uh, yeah. setting the, the helmet on its head. The second I threw over the banister on the floor, 
Salt went to watch the space. I checked every drawer and door. I found a closet of old war weapons. The virtue lifer must have been a collector, or a family member was in the military at some point. Some of the weapons were in very poor condition, but the taser rifle looked like it was in working order. Slinging, that, slinging the taser rifle over my shoulder, a loud crash, and in the image Salt was feeding me, I saw the front door fly across the living room, slamming into the kitchen island. A few lumpy thuds and a shadow of a large human shape stretched across the room. I know you are in here. They should never have hired you. This is not a place you should be. A few more steps and the exosuit reflected all, all the LED spotlights. It was a design I had never seen. It was all black and a very shiny black. Unlike most exosuits, it appeared to, to be twice as large as a person. The pilot had to be entirely contained in the chest of the thing, in place of the head being in the head. Two drones lifted from its shoulders and Salt ran back to me. We went into the closet and I switched the, switched the rifle to charge, to charge lethal rounds. <laughs> the sound of the drones had to be a weapon. My teeth felt like they itched. My skin felt warm and my eyes were suddenly dry. I tried to focus on breathing slowly. This was just a sonic effect, I thought. The drones scanned the virtue room, but did not seem to notice the closet we were in. You were lucky that trooper got to me. You were lucky that trooper got to me before I could zero you. I knew this thing was trying to goad me into talking, like some some kind of kids' book or crazy villain expectation. I heard. I I had four shots maxed out maxed out in the rifle. I needed to make sure the first one allowed me to get a second before I tried to keep ahead for the next two to charge. I looked down to Salt. Listen, buddy, I know this is a hard ask, but I need you to go out there and scan the exosuit, and I need you to do it up close. This is where the idea of Salt is more than just a good program. I swear Salt knew me. It sent emojis of fear and frowns. The fear one was unique to Salt. Any bot would send you a frown. If you asked it to do something, it knew it would result in its destruction. But fear? I know, buddy. There's a chance we can get out. I can save your data cube. We got it shielded, right? And sent me a thumbs up. Filling my HUD with Salt's camera image, I watched closely as it creeps out, zooming in on the exosuit walking around. It was far too big to come up the stairs, and it wouldn't fit in any of the hallways. All I could do was wait or just destroy the house. It needed to do something before that happened. Salt slowly worked its way down to the floor, getting behind the suit. The drone still slowly inspecting the walls and cabinets, Salt looking up the back of the suit as it crawls up, crawls up the walls. A zoom, a zoom to the back of the head of the suit, a small charge port, and a power conversion unit just under it, both protected from attacks, but... Not if you stick something down there. I start thinking of what I could do to get the shots into that space. An emoji of a heart showing up on my HUD. The display shows the section getting larger as Salt jumps into the space, stabbing and pulling to expose a sliver of wire, then slamming its lens into it. I hear a pop, followed by a loud and sharp bang. The display in my HUD flashes off. I hear a yell of agony. The sound of the drones falling out of the air get me moving. I rush down the stairs, run behind the exosuit, plant the barrels of plant the barrels of the rifle in the space in the space of the back of the neck and pull the triggers. The flash blinds me and throws me back. I hear one massive thud and a long sigh. Slowly my vision clears and I see the suit on its knees, arms hanging, the head missing. I smell burnt hair and what could be ham, but I know it's not. I get up slowly, noticing something in one of my legs, and part of my rib cage is not quite in one piece. As I get up, my head, my hand feels a solid marble with two wires leading out of it. It's salt. It's salt's core unit. Assuming that the shield wasn't compromised, I could get it up and running again. Soon after, the military showed up. They asked me to write up a detail of what happened, and it still doesn't make sense to me. Then again, not every case does. Sometimes people just do things that have no answers. 
best I could get out of the captain I spoke with was the virtue lifer wanted to sell the forest and move to Japan to live in a pod next to the person he wanted to marry. Who the guy is in the exosuit and who those twins were really were, I may never know. One thing I do know, if I ever see those twins again, we're going to have a long conversation. What'd you think? Did I, did I deprive you of a proper end? I don't know. I don't think so. It's, it, you know, uh, I don't, I, so like all of these stories are experiments and I have a lot of fun writing them. And this one, the, the character, I wanted them to, uh, I, I can't put it into words, actually. When when I started writing the story, they seemed like the kind of person who was, like, you know, just willing to tell a story and, you know, just be like, you know, sometimes shit doesn't make sense. And, you know, it, I I like this. I do. I, I think I can come back to it and tighten it up a little bit. There are bits and pieces that I think I could make clearer um, and, uh, you know, flesh out a bit more. Um, but I like, you know, that, you know, this detective's just hired to go verify that the purchase is valid and, you know, finds this weird, like, arrangement of stuff that, you know, has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with them. And it's just something that just kind of happens. <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah, you know, we got paid. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it, I think rounding out the story might be, um, you know, the detective running out and finding the uh, twins. But anyways, I want to thank you for joining me today for First Drafts at Glow. Uh, you know, find me at nailsatglow.com. Uh, first drafts at glow at gmail.com, Eldridge Cafe, Macedon World, both nails at glow. I want to thank you so much for joining me for Budget Syrup. Next week, we are going to listen to a story called uh, Transient Repose. And I'll see you then. And um, yeah, I just thank you so much for joining me for these stories. I really love doing these. Throw, throw, you know, like and subscribe, you know, drop me some comments below, all that stuff, and, uh,